Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today, and boy, do we have a treat for you today. I'm your coach, Steve. I'm your coach, Steve Kramer. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. And today we are joined by John Buscemi Corona, boys basketball, former coach, varsity coach at Detroit Loyola. Not that long ago, they made a run to the state semifinals at the Breslin Center. And on this episode, we dig into the 2-2-1 press, the pressure defense, why it's so effective, how coach got into it, how he adopted it, some of the key philosophies and goals of the defense, some of the keys that make it actually work, uh, some of the teaching points that he emphasizes to his players, and he breaks down a few situations for us as well. We talk about some of his background, how he got into the coaching, and it at about the 14 minute mark of this episode is really where we start to dig into um, some of the, the meat and potatoes of the actual 2-2-1 press. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy it, please remember to subscribe, rate and review. That goes a really long way as we look forward to bringing you a more helpful content and resources for coaches every single week. Special thank you to Coach Bushami for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were gonna take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to Coach John Buscemi from Corona High School in, up in Michigan. And man, we're excited to, to have you on here, Coach. So thanks for being on the podcast. For sure. I'm excited to be here. We, it was funny when we connected this winter and, um, you know, we've never met and um, you had reached out to me. And after I got to know you a little bit and I started doing some digging, I realized that we actually know quite a few of the same people. So it's a small basketball world in Michigan. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, it, it's always incredible how that basketball fraternity, it's like, uh, what is it? The uh, degrees of Kevin Bacon. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can't go too far without knowing someone who knows someone. Yeah. It was kind of funny because uh, I started asking a couple of people in Michigan that I knew and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, I know him. Oh, yeah, I know him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. I was like, oh, okay, cool, awesome. Um, so with this coach, we're digging into the two-two-one press. And the reason that I sought you out for this was because I know you know my old high school coach, Coach Gainforce. I didn't know that was you at the time that he was talking about. But he talked about picking up the two-two-one press that they had used at USA for a handful of years and had a ton of success with. And so I was picking his brain and, and his assistant coach at the time, Coach Steve Bones' brain 
uh, about the press. He's like, man, you know, we 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 learned a lot from uh, Corona and some of the the things that they do with their press. And so uh, I'm kind of able to go to you know, you can get the recipe out of a book, or you can go to the chef. So I'm calling you the chef on, on this one. Getting straight straight from you. So tell us a little bit of your background and uh, how you got into coaching. Before we get into the press, I'm a teacher. So I, I obviously enjoy working with kids and it's just a great mix to be able to use something I'm passionate about, to try to teach life lessons and, you know, make better men. So that's, you know, that's what it's always been about. There was a school in Detroit, I'm from Metro Detroit and, you know, U of D obviously being in Detroit and there's a school about a mile southwest of us, Loyola High School, that happened to be looking for a science teacher halfway through the year because, you know, their biology teacher up and left. So coincidentally, one of my professors was on their school board and threw my name at the president there. And I got this call as close as they were. And even though I was, I played and, you know, went to St. Clement, which is Catholic league school that's now closed, but Metro Detroit, but I'd never heard of Loyola. And, uh, but I knew I, you know, I knew I needed a job. So I thought, well, we'll go check it out and, um, started teaching there and started out, you know, was able actually to jump right in with the varsity basketball team halfway through the season, you know, in January, once when I got hired and things started there, and uh, under Robert Brown, and uh, I was his assistant for three years after that, and then a position opened up, and was fortunate enough to to get the head coaching job, and it's just interesting, like anything in life. I mean, when I started there, that you know January of 2001, I thought, oh, this would be a good foot in the door, and you know, then I'll go public school, make the big bucks, and uh, next thing I knew, you know, 16 years later, I been a head coach for 11 years there and taught and and loved it and honestly uh you know and I not found a woman crazy enough to finally uh or finally found a woman crazy enough to deal with uh being a coach's wife I'd probably still be there um you know Chloe my wife's from mid-Michigan and just a year after we made you know pretty good run to the Breslin Center lost a heartbreaker there um a position opened up in Corona and kind of same thing, like a friend of a friend through my name. I actually got a call from them, thought I'll go apply just to, you know, make my wife feel like I'm trying to get her closer to back home, not thinking really anything would come of it. And after each, you know, second interview, third interview, and kind of got the feeling like uh, God was trying to tell me something, you know, and that, at that time we had our daughter, Charlie, and we knew, you know, we wanted to have more kids. And the one thing at Loyola was, was all boys. So I always wanted, uh, you know, my kids to be a part of the school, you know, where I was at. And obviously that one uh, happened at Loyola with Charlie. So just a lot of different variables coming into it and the idea, you know, knowing that I was leaving a place like with the cupboard full. I mean, we had just made a run to the Breslin Center. And I always told myself if I ever did leave, you know, want it better than I found it. And I mean, 
you know, it certainly was. And, and it felt good to my assistants actually at the time who were, you know, as big a part of our success there as anything. They're just awesome. They actually stayed. They're still at Loyola. So it's neat to keep in touch with them and see them still having success. Um, just always, I never wanted to be the guy to leave somewhere when the cupboard was empty. I mean, when we left, we've gone to the Breslin and had three starters returning, one who's going to Central Michigan and a transfer coming in, Myron Gardner, who ended up going to Georgetown. I'd lie if I didn't say, I don't think sometimes about what it would have been like to be there those few no years kidding. after I left, but yeah, no kidding. you know, God had different plans. So. Yeah. yeah, of course. Coach, before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge and I want to let you know that it's powered by coachesedge.coach, the membership where we work with coaches from throughout the United States, helping them improve their team and their basketball program. If you're curious about coachesedge.coach and how we can help you in your basketball program, you can reach out to us at coachesedge1 on Twitter, contact at kramerbasketball.com. Thanks again. Let's get back to the show. Coming off a district championship and and through both of these these schools, Loyola, now you're up in mid-Michigan, you know, you've implemented a pressure defense, a 2-2-1 pressure defense. And so how did you how did you get into that press? So when I was at Loyola, I mean my my coaching career probably you could say it was like uh, you know, the first five years or so at Loyola almost like an Izzo protege, you know, man to man, playing the gaps, forcing a baseline. You know, we always, and even in the press, I mean, toughness is, but always emphasized, you know, toughness and rebounding. And, um, and we had, you know, a lot of success. I mean, we, we, um, we won 15 or more games every year. I was there after my first year and we were able to be successful, but, I mean, it was class C, but we were in as tough a district and regional as anyone in the state in any class. I mean, this was back when the late Al Anderson had some Detroit consortium teams that you look at them walk on the court and I mean, they're bigger than some college teams, you know, D2 guys coming off the bench and uh, Melvin Dale ABT, you know, would be waiting for you in the regional. You know, they had, they they had their back to back there, and I mean those. Aside from them, I mean a ton of other schools. Eventually, Detroit Edison, you know, Detroit CMA had some great teams with uh, Crawford kid, you know, who, who played at Xavier and uh, had an incredible basketballer. So just just so much good basketball in Detroit and especially in C. I mean, you had St. Martin de Pours and just such a tough path. And as much success as we had, it just, we couldn't, I knew on paper, we would never measure up with consortium, no matter what we did, you know, ABT. Um, we had great kids, but we typically weren't, you know, weren't getting your blue chip D1 kids. You know, we were, we were getting kids who were kind of overlooked. And the school itself was, you know, a school kind of built for that kid who's falling through the cracks in the city. So we were at, in Lansing, actually, at a preseason uh, 
Rod Watts used to do this preseason scrimmage at Lansing Eastern Don Johnson Fieldhouse. And I remember watching a team Ann Arbor Huron playing a consortium who was out, you know, we always see in the districts and uh, they just, they not just beat them. I mean, they handled them and they were running this, this press and it just seemed to take consortium, you know, out of anything that they wanted to do. And I just remember watching and thinking, you know, our personnel's pretty, you know, Huron's got some good players, but man, they don't have 3D ones, you know, they, they don't have the, they don't have the firepower that consortium has and geez, they're, they're giving them fits, they're handling them. And uh, at that moment, I thought, you know, I gotta, gotta do a little dig and see what, you know, cause it was, and, and, you know, you call it two, two, one, a lot of people, it's funny, depends on who we talk to and who were, oh yeah, you run that two, two, one. Oh, you run that box at two, one, two, you run, you know, really it's, it's a, it's kind of a system that really morphs kind of into whatever teams are trying to, however teams are trying to break it, you know, we, it changes slightly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do out of it. Um, but the base definitely looks like the, the two, two, one. And so that summer, well, that following summer, so it was already into the season and it's like, well, do we want to try to put something in right now? And so we didn't, which is stupid. I probably should have, cause we <laughs> ended up getting beat by consortium again in the district finals that year. And after that, I remember thinking, you know, if nothing's changing, nothing's changing. So we got to change something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Spent a summer with Huron and Walid Samaha and learned their press, brought coaches down, brought our players down, their players and ours worked together. They kind of taught us what they do. And uh, you know, I'll always remember what he told us and you know what I told Ganey too, because sometimes you learn something new and with kids, it's like, oh, we don't want to be them. We don't not realizing like everyone's copying somebody, you know, no, you know, the the reality is what we do is probably more unique than what most do because I've there's probably seven teams eight teams in the state that kind of run this system and um, we wanted that buy-in from the players and you know Waleed was like you know this you might think this is Huron's press but we got it from North Farmington like coach Tom Negotian and then uh, you know we'd make some throw some wrinkles in do some things that kind of match our personnel better. And now it's ours. Like we don't feel like it's theirs. And there's going to be a time down the road when it's not Huron's press anymore. It's Loyola's press and you're going to do some things unique. So, and, and, uh, and it, it, it did, it happened. So we went down there, we, we learned it and have been, been running it ever since then. But that was really the, the thing that got us going on. It was, you know, we got to do something to figure out a, a way to right. get out of this district because yeah i mean i you need to make a change you need to change change something up um, yeah for you sure. know you can't you know what's what's the definition of crazy doing this doing the same thing expecting a different result something yep. like that so absolutely um, what's the what's the overall philosophy or goal that you strive for with this defense really the goal is to make other teams do things that they're not comfortable doing. You know, you practice and 
the shots you take in practice are the shots you typically get out of your offense. You know, if you're doing it right, I mean, you know, you want to take the types of shots you're taking getting in the games. And, um, and there's some teams, man, really good at set patterned offenses. And our, our whole thing is like, we don't care what you run because you ain't going to run it against us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we want teams to be uncomfortable having to do something that they're not accustomed doing. Um, and really, you know, I think basketball is a game of imposing your will one way or another. So we like to try to impose our will in that way, you know, on the defensive end um, and control the tempo in that way. Because uh, as much as, you know, it isn't always to turn teams over. Some, I mean, sometimes it's as, as fast and as athletic as we were at Loyola. We weren't faster than Beecher. You know, it really slowed them down. Um, and a lot of what we do up here at Corona you know, when we see, well, we were in the GAC for a little bit My when I started there, and it was to slow teams like Beecher down, slow teams like Hamity down, you know, and then once they got in the half court, like I say, making them have to do things that they're not comfortable or, or used to really doing. So I love that there's so many, you know, you mentioned get the other team uncomfortable doing what they don't want to do. Um, but there, that could mean different things depending on the type of talent that you're playing against. Now, regarding the talent or the players that you have, what do you think are some of the best type of players? If, if you're, you know, there's a coach listening right now somewhere in the country and they're thinking about putting this press in and they're listening to this. What's a type of player that you think best fits certain positions within this press? Well, you're, you know, we call the guys up top our one-liners. We break it down, one-liners, two-liners, and then the three-liners, the guy in the back. And then, you know, again, there's times we can make it looks like a dime and a one-two-two, but it's nice having the positions and the terminology because when we teach it, we're like, okay, you know, backside two, you're the one guarding the ball when we go 94, which 94 is just like our one, our, our where we pressure the ball and traffic coming in kind of like a diamond look, but it ends up falling into, you know, our, our system, you know, so we'll, we'll run a variety of different looks up front and fall back into, you know, typically uh, three, two or three main, you know, looks, things we'll try to do in the half court. But as far as personnel, one-liners, I mean, they just, they can't be afraid. They gotta be fearless up on the ball all game long, you know, this, this, this whole defense is really predicated on ball pressure. Like when, when the ball is in your area where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be on the ball, you know, we don't want an arm's length. Like we want you on the ball and needless to say, like, do we do that? Did we do that against Jalen Terry from Beecher? No. Well, we we're going to give him his arms length. <laughs> like some guy, you know, some teams, you even within the press in your system, you you change things a little. You know, it's like in football. If you're a passing, you know, run and shoot sort of team, but you play another team that's you play the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, guess what? You better be able to run the rock too. So, you know, that's similarly. We like to be 
going like, you know, Nolan Richardson's 40 minutes of hell, but sometimes you play someone that makes you change a little bit. But what I love is that within this, I mean, change is easy. Like you can teach change in a couple practices to get ready for a team. You're not changing who you are. You're just changing how you guard certain spots a little bit. Um, making some making some tweaks and adjustments. So you mentioned the yeah, one-liner being fearless and ball pressure. What what about the uh, talk about the two-lining spot a yeah, little bit? Yeah, and, and ones like any good you know any press the ones got to once the ball gets past them. I mean they got to be flying back, getting to the ball, flicking from behind. That's a big part of it. So I mean they got to always be playing you know hard as ever. Two-liners. I mean, needless to say, the longer and the more athletic you are, the more potential, you know, you have for sure. disruption. But we've, you know, we've run it with guys who aren't super tall and athletic, but but smart. So, you know, two liners all, all about positioning and kind of being in the right spot. If you're the ball side too, you know, knowing how to close, being able to close down a trap and use angles. If you're the backside to being a good anticipator, you know, we're always protecting the hoop, but we want, you know, we, we have a saying rule first steal second. So like if you're the backside to and the balls being trapped, say around half court, when it comes across, you know, your rules to be kind of deep middle because that three liner is coming out towards a sideline to read a pass up the, you know, up the street and uh that's the rule but if we got a great trap and the guy's back is facing his own basket and all he has is that skip across dang we want him to go get it you know we want to get steals out of this so so yeah rule first steal second so they gotta they gotta be smart and the better anticipators they are you know they're the ones who who get a lot of steals on skips and, and things like that. What's the type of player that, or some of the characteristics that that backline defender needs to have? You know, the, the best teams that I've had, a lot of times, you know, and that's not your traditional 2-2-1, I feel like the big guy who isn't that mobile, kind of a rim protector always is in the back. And, you know, six, nine, I mean, why not leave them around the rim to protect anything that comes? But with our rotations and what we do and how we do it, believe me, we'd find a place for that six, nine kid, but the press doesn't, you know, it isn't as lethal with a bigger, slower guy back there. The best teams I've ever had, we've had um, quick, you know, tough, good. I mean, the big thing is not giving up the baseline, you know, when they get out, cause they're going out to trap the corners and, uh, you know, the other pieces being able to read, you know, if they can read that pass up the sideline and that pass kind of deep middle, um, cause they're athletic enough to be able to do it, man, it's, you know, it's nice to have a guy like that back there. So our, um, yeah, our, our best teams, 
this year we had a kid back there, a freshman, you know, who's probably the best athlete in the school. And he was fantastic back there um, as a starter. You know, my last team at Loyola that, that we made a great run with, my three liner was six foot, six one, pretty long arms, but athletic. You know, and, and the, the physical part's important too, because you got to be able to close out and meet the drive with your chest and just not give up that baseline mm-hmm. and be able to trap it solid. So you've mentioned some terminology as well as we go through this one-liner, two-liner, three-liner in the back. You know, you talked about the street. What types of terminology do you use with your kids to make sure they're easily understanding the locations and uh, positions on the court? Well, you know, just like on offense, kids have positions on defense, every guy, you know, they know what they are. They're a one-liner, they're a two-liner, they're a three-liner, you know, and they know what their rotations are. And there are, there are some kids, it's great when you get a kid who can really, you know, grasp multiple, like Wyatt, our three-liner this year, well, we graduated four seniors and Wyatt's going to, you know, he's kind of like a Swiss army knife, um, I feel like our best defensive group coming into next year could include him on the one line, you know, so it's, he's just to show you, you know, the three line doesn't have to be a bad, I mean, you know, our three liner this year was a kid who, like I say, if we could put him on the one line, you know, we, we would. So I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, the, the knowing your position and, just like we, you know, talked about offensively, teams practices kind of centering around their offense and where they're going to be getting shots in their offense. I mean, defensively, that's what we do. You know, we we have breakdown drills. When we go indie, we'll go sometimes ones and twos on one end, threes on the other. You know, coaches kind of working whatever uh, rotation we want to work on that day. Um, Sometimes we'll go twos and threes and ones just to work different areas of, you know, of the, of the court, as far as the press goes. Um, So, yeah, they all, it was funny. One of my seniors even in his, uh, so we do senior speeches at our banquet. I just thought of this. So, I mean, he even busted out some terminology in his speech, kind of some comedy at the end, Caleb. He was like, um, you know, a few things. And among all the things, he's like, one thing I still to this day will never understand how it's the backside two's job to get in front of the ball side block when the ball's in the corner. Like it's such a long way to go, you know, and everyone kind of laughed. And the the players really got a kick. The family's like, they don't know what's he talking about. But, you know, they, it was, it was funny to them because, it was. And I mean, and he hit it, you know, you're right, Caleb, that's might have taken until your job. senior year to get there, but <laughs> hey, we, you know, at least we got there and didn't give up that, that bang, bang play corner to low block. You sure. Know? Yeah. That's what the, uh, the offense is trying to get right there. You mentioned that you do some breakdown drills uh, throughout your practices. Um, obviously trying to get the offense to be in certain positions so you can take advantage of what are some of those situations or positions that you found the most success with as far as turning the offense over? 
you know, anytime you can get someone trapped in the corner and we can get to our rotation, you know, that's just a tough, tough place to pass out of because that backside too, um, a lot of times teams will try to beat you by going, you know, two, one, two against you and going from one slot to the other, then trying to get it from the corner to the block. Cause we're essentially trapping with that low man. And cause our, you know, this press, like it continues after half court, like it's really the heat turns up. It's almost the base of it. It's kind of token pressure in the front court once or in the back court, once we get across half court, right. that's when the traps and, you know, things really heat up. So teams will try to beat us going, you know, starting on one side, going slot to slot to corner to block. And that's where it seems like it's open, but that backside too got to get in front of that ball side block. And I can't tell you, you know, how many steals we get because mm. guy will get it and will look open and boom, there's that two sliding right in front of it. And then, you know, that's not there. You hold it for a second and that traps on you. And, you know, we teach our guys, like, like I say, rule for a steal second. So they're moving based on the pivot of the guy with the ball. So like I tell my, you know, the backside one would kind of have the midline and essentially be, be reading like foul line to skip. So ball's in the corner. Well, if he's trapped and his back is to the basket or his back is to the baseline, well, he can't make that pass to the mid. The only place he might be able to go is that diagonal skip. So, okay, you got deep enough to follow your rule. Now you can start to inch up and anticipate that skip and go get it if he makes that pass, you know, and that's really the one that's open. Um, same thing, you know, with the middle, that, that one that's kind of dropping, he's middle and then still playing that guy up on the slot who usually is going to get a little closer to the ball side sideline. So as a safety valve, if they get in trouble, um, but corner trap, that's a tough one. It's always good. You know, um, anything along either sideline, you know, half, obviously the trap right across half court is probably the best one because that leads to the easiest, you know, pick sixes, mm. you, know, you, you get a steal up there on a reversal, you're going, uncontested layup um so yeah i'd say if it gets across half court the corner but as it's crossing if we can get that trap at half court you know that's one that we we really want um the big the biggest thing is just you know no fouls no splits on the trap aggressive mirroring the ball but not reaching you know not bailing them out and um if we're able to do that, like I say, anywhere along the sideline, the trap's effective, especially when you got guys off the ball who are, you know, really on their toes and reading and ready to go. Um, I think that's the hardest, at least from what I've, you know, what I've been told when we were first learning it, because we had, uh, you know, no-go came in and, with Waleed and we're kind of teaching it in our first few days, he said, you know, you guys just 
this could be saying, you know, coach thinks that talking about me and coach Samaha, that this is something that could really benefit you guys. But I'll tell you what, many have tried, but few have done it. Like you've been coaching a while and there are a lot of teams that come and try to learn it and try to do it. But you, you just got to play so stinking hard mm-hmm. you know, to, to get out of it, what you want to get out of it. Right. Um, Cause it's not something that, you know, we, Oh, they scored twice, two possessions. Let's get out of it. And, you know, we're, we're committed to it. Now, like I say, we might make uh, you know, a change or switch something up a little bit, but, you know, by and large, this is, it's, it's our identity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing across the board is just guys got to, there's no time for standing around, yeah. you know, guys got to be ready to fly around. What do you do when something does break down? What do you, what do you teach in, especially I'm thinking the top two, or you'd call them your one liners. Yeah. If they get beat, something breaks down. What are you teaching your team in order to recover? Honestly, and as crazy as it sounds there, I mean, been doing this for, what, like my last five years at Loyola and my first five years. So we've been, you know, we've been doing this 10 years now and I could probably count on one hand, the number of teams that I felt like, oh man, you know, they beat us because of the press. And, and it's always because they just shoot. Like we played Rockford the year after they won the state title, they beat us by nine they had 18 threes like <laughs> and then I got to tell myself too like they could hit 18 threes on a man to man like yeah think right. it's 18 threes they're you're going to be in for it either way you know but oftentimes when it breaks down it isn't the defense really it's more someone not getting to their rotation you know if the one-liners get beat and a kid's able to go coast to coast well it's probably because the one-liners aren't busting their tail to flick from behind if they're getting back flicking from behind all it takes is one or two times to get it tipped and then that guy beats the ones and he's looking to get it up you know to a wing get rid of it and once it's to the wing boom we're right back in one two trap three mm-hmm. getting his and and it kind of feeds right into it so that was one of those things that i liked about it was you're never really beat in it yeah like it's there's kind of something for anything that could happen to where if nothing else, you're rotating, you're protecting the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a high risk in terms of giving up layups if your guys are willing to bust their tails and, and fly all over the place. Because if you get beat, one's coming and flicking from behind. Eventually, it's actually the three-liner's job to come up and stop the ball. And what's kind of, if you watch it on film, it's you know, interesting to watch. Usually ones get beat. Well, what happens? One of those two line guys in a two, two, one coach, stop the ball, right? We got to stop the ball. They're stepping up to stop the ball. Well, in what we do, you'll see a one liner get beat and maybe even coming right up on that two line, that two liner. If he's beat to the middle, those twos aren't getting the middle. Those twos are sprinting back to their ball side blocks 
so that, you know, wings come and fill in in transition, we're taking that away. And then eventually that three is going to meet the ball if it gets deep enough to where, you know, position where, you know, shot could be taken. The three's jobs to meet the ball at the top of the circle. So, so if somebody, I just want to make sure I paint this picture. So if somebody gasses it and they, they beat those one liners, it's the three's job to step up, make sure they're not going coast to coast. And those twos are dropping down to get into the to, block. Yep. Okay. And say okay. their, their rules to get to the block. Cause that's, you know, filling lanes there, yep. you know, teams are trying to get layups. Now what Rockford did, and I still remember this day cause it changed what we do. They ran guys straight to the corners in transition. They had a kid, Chad Carlson, who was a really good point. Oh guy. yeah, I know, I know Chad. I know Chad. Yeah, he was able to gash us a little bit, and um, they got he'd get in, you know, getting that seam, and our three'd come up, and our twos would be getting to the block, and they just send a couple of guys that could really shoot it, got them to the corners, and they banged a ton of threes on us from the corners, you know, and then after watching film, it changed what we do. Well, okay, well, what are we going to do with that? So what we do with that, if teams are running guys to the corners and they can make that shot, instead of getting to the blocks, if we played them again, we would get to the short corner. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, by the time we figured that out, it was too darn late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chad can shoot. I think he ha still has one of the, at least one of the all time uh, three point records at, at hope. I know that. Um, can definitely shoot the ball. You can shoot it. You're probably going to do pretty well against any defense. The, the thing that I like about this, that I think if, if you were just watching and somebody can really handle the ball, they have a lot of speed, you're going to go up against that two, two, one, and you keep talking about chasing from behind, trying to uh, tip it from behind. And a lot, I think a lot of coaches or people at least would view it as oh, it's getting beat. It's getting beat, but really you've sped them up most mm -hmm. of the time. And you're, if you don't get that back tap, they're probably not going truly coast to coast. Like no. that's an elite, elite player. If they're going to, you know, make a living on that all game long, they're probably feeding that ball into a pass that's going to turn into the next trap, right? Yeah. And, and it's getting out of typically what they're, pro you know, now you got a secondary ball handler trying to handle pressure and, uh, you know, even, and probably worse than that, because if they beat it, you know, they're keeping their best ball handlers in the back. Right. They beat it. Next thing you know, the four man's got it trying to make a play off the wing. Yeah. It's their third, you know, fourth or fifth position. best ball handler, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that it's always done, like Carlson wasn't the one that killed, he killed us because he made the right play. The kids that made the shots were the kids he was hitting in the corners because he'd mm -hmm. gash it, three liner come up, twos get to the blocks and he'd hit, I'd say maybe Peterson was one of the kids and uh, hit him and another kid and they just knocking them down. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've, we played a lot of really, really good point guards. And then we've never had one just go, even like Jalen Terry never scored over 20 against us at Corona when we were in the GAC. At Loyola, we played David Julius at Depsa, you know, he had 12. And uh, because those guys got to spend, do so much work, just handling the pressure and getting the ball, you know, where it needs to go to break the pressure. Sometimes it never gets back to them. And when it gets back to them, what's happened? There's two guys running at them. 
you know, there's two guys running at them. So, you know, they good players aren't good. What we love were players that try to dribble through it and think they're, you know, um, oftentimes it's two teams that never get pressed because all oh, that guard's too good to press. Right. So, you know, then they get pressed and, oh, we're just going to beat it with the dribble. Teams that give us the most trouble, like back in Detroit, teams that gave us the most trouble, like CC, De La Salle, because they're going to pass, 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 make you, make you run around a little bit. Um, you know, up here, teams that give us the most trouble, Goodrich, smart team, they move the ball well, you know, they're going to pass it around. Um, but teams, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Teams that you traditionally might think, oh, we can't press them. Those, those sometimes are the ones that it works the best on. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, we lost to Bridgeport in the regional this year and we didn't have a ton of depth. So I didn't, you know, I just didn't think we could go four quarters at the, you know, how hard we would have to go to be able to sustain the pressure we need to. You're so quick, you just worry about them getting loose. Well, and Tara, I mean, defensively, it wasn't like it failed. We were, we held them to six points in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, they turned us over like 15 times and scored 30 points on us. Mm-hmm. We were down 21 at half, and I'm, half time we told the guy listen I don't know what's going to happen in the end but we're we're going all you know one to 51 the rest of the way we even went some what we call 94 with early traps and we just we end up outscoring them by four in the second half and that's a team that ended up at the Breslin Center and yeah you look at Bridgeport and you look at Corona and you're like how in the world could this team trap that team you know no, it's but, a great Great point. It's a great point because there are teams that sometimes the teams, as you mentioned, that can really handle the ball. um, You think, okay, we don't want to press it, but sometimes those are the best teams to trap. And if they haven't been pressed a whole lot because of those ball handling skills, essentially you can try to use somebody's strength against them compared to a team that they know they don't have the ball handling ability. They're going to pass, pass, pass because they don't have any other option. You know, that, that might be actually be the harder team to to try to speed up because they're, oh, yeah. they're so good at playing slow, slow, slow. Absolutely. And you talk about adjustments. Like, those are the teams we have to adjust to are the pass, pass, pass teams. Like, one adjustment we've gone to is, you know, we'll call it whatever our call is. Say we're 51, we'll go 51 bounce, meaning in the half court, 51s are, you know, trapped everywhere on, after it crosses half court. And uh, – we go bounce, we're not going to trap it until the ball's put on the floor. So we kind of match up and we're in, in it until ball goes on the floor and then we're flying a guy out or sometimes we'll go soft, which is, you know, we won't trap anything until after top of the circle. So we'll match up above the top of the circle. And then once it comes wing corner, we'll trap wings, we'll trap corners. Um, and like I say, those, those are the adjustments, the tweaks that we find ourselves using against the good riches and, you know, the Catholic centrals and the De La Salle's and those teams that 
that are going to try to make you run around a little bit. I know some coaches are going to ask, do you, do you use this press on a miss? Every time. Better on a miss than on a make. Yeah, so explain that a little bit. So guys just know where they are. Even free throws, we have our one-liners, you know, um, rebound for free throws. So they're already right there. Um, so that's just one little tweak. And we look really smart when we, you know, shoot a high free throw percentage. But because uh, that's always a thought, well, you know, you're giving up a potential rebound on a free throw. And I don't know. I'd be curious to stat that sometime just because I think sometimes too teams see our guards in there and they don't think they got to box them out. We end up stealing one, but yeah, we, we, our one-liners know once. So once a shot goes up, we're, you know, just like any two, we send three to the glass, but once other team gets a rebound, it's whatever one is closest is on the ball. Then that backside one is kind of getting to the middle because on an outlet, they might get to the ball, that other one getting to the middle. Our twos are getting to their spots, you know, just across half court. Our threes sprinting their tail back to get deep. And, um, you know, and some teams will try to sneak a guy out and run on you. And we'll just make sure we got someone deep. So let's say they leak a guy out and our one-liner happens to be the guy who took the three from the top of the circle. Well, no, I don't want you to go up and find somebody and let this, you're getting back with that guy until the three liner gets back, then you're coming up. Okay. That makes sense. So he's just a designated, if, if a one ever has to get back, he's a designated backside one. And then that guy up front's just trying to pressure, anticipate, you know, he's in the mix. I really, really don't tell him what to do. I just tell him once that ball's outletted, you know, we got to make sure we're on the guard getting or getting to him influencing them to the sideline and trying to push them into that trap, you know, across half court. And if not, if we're trailing the ball, we're just flicking. And we do a drill in practice called chase drill where we, that's the drill. Pass it to the guy top of the circle, you know, going down. We start our ones at the elbows. So they're already chasing and they got to chase and flick. Our twos start at half court. They're getting to their blocks. Our threes ready to come up and we play out of that. Mm -hmm. just to kind of teach that the recovery of it mm -hmm. and um but if you're you know if we're not in the recovery we're on the ball boom one liners there backside one's getting everyone's getting where they need to go and the nice thing about doing it on misses is teams aren't in their diagrammed you know press break and guys are kind of all over the place a little bit sometimes no, i like it um how do you feel like this affects your defensive rebounding one of the hardest things to you know initially you get killed on the glass when you first when you first try to run it just because guys rebound where they're at instead of where they came from i think the biggest thing and again it's all like anything else got to just drill it at practice so you know let's say a shot goes up from the corner well, at that point, the two, the three liners closing out to the corner. So he's kind of, you know, on his way out there. You got the backside two at the ball side block or around there. And you got your backside one on that backside block. So your one's got to be tough as hell 
you know, finding a body on that backside. And we tell our one, like, it ain't even all about you getting the rebound. It's just make sure that guy crash and don't, you know. And then what happens a lot, though, is that two who's on the ball side block will turn around and block out the guy that just dove down that they were thinking of, you know, dropping it to. Well, now the middle's wide open for a rebound. So, you know, what we, what he should do is we call it return to center. Like you're getting back to where you were. So two liner needs to be hashing back and finding somebody in the middle and backside one's got that backside. And then the three's just flying in, you know, from where he was just trying to clean up that ball side a little bit. And if you do that, and it might seem like, well, you still, you only got two guys really down there. Are your one-liners just crashing or are they finding somebody to hit, hit and then get, or what are they doing? So, so the ball side one is just, yeah, making his way in, you know, trying to, trying to find the ball. And um, the thing is, if you get that rotation of those two or three guys, you're, you're good. You know, typically you're good because what teams do against this is spread you out. I mean, they're only rebounding with one or two guys. It's just making sure you don't leave open one of those critical areas. Right. And that's what happens early on as you get the, or a shot from the wing, you know, your three liner when the ball's on the wing is kind of, well, he's halfway as nose. His rule is halfway between the ball and the midline. So he's usually a step or two outside the lane, reading corner and, and high post. And then your backside two's in the middle, you know, kind of reading middle to skip. So shot goes up from the wing, but that three blocks out on the ball side block. The two blocks out the middle, well, the whole backside's open. So that shot goes up from the wing. Your two's got to get to the back to, you know, the backside, his, you know, his block, his side essentially to rebound. The three's got to get from the mid, from the ball side block to the middle to rebound. And then the other guy's got to just be ball hawks. But like I say, you typically you, you clean up those two, you know, the middle and the backside and, and you're good. Well, it's such a sorry, problem as it is initially. We, I'm made. I mean, we didn't have a kid over six foot and like we gave up four O boards to Goodrich when we played them and Goodrich had, you know, yeah, they had a really nice team, nice team, nice size, athletic. Yeah. So it's, um, it's not something you don't have to give up offensive rebounds, but you will initially, it's just like the other thing that happens initially, how hard and how fast you got to play on D I remember when we started doing it, pulling my hair. Well, I don't have any hair left now, but I didn't have any even then to pull out, but just turning red because we get a steal and then pass it, throw it past the guy and go out of bounds. You know, we were throwing, putting so much juice on so many passes, missing layups because we're going 100 miles per hour. And that's the other thing is it just takes time. You know, guys got to learn how to go from 100 you know, and get back to the speed limit once they're, they're on offense. Because on defense, you are, you're playing so hard. So, I mean. It's all I, gas. Don't you have a hashtag they use? Like some all, all gas, no brakes or something like that? That's so, yeah, our, 
our motto for this year was all gas, no brakes. But we say, you know, teams play hard, but there's hard and then there's Corona hard. Right? <laughs> That's the one thing when we leave the gym, we never want to question if we played harder than the other team did. Because if we do, we're probably walking out with a loss and we may as well scrap what we do and who we are and sit back in a two, three zone like everyone else in mid Michigan and, you know, chalk it up to, you know, we got a bunch of white farm boys and this is how we got to play, but they don't want that, you know, so they play their asses off. And it's not nearly as much fun to play um, that style as it is, you know, the, the pressure. I mean, no, it is. It, it, it's a lot of fun. And that, that's, you know, that's another thing. And that's what I tell the guys is, we would love to go 11 deep, you know, mm -hmm. give me a reason to go 11 deep. Yeah. With this, you can. Yeah. And with this, you can, as long as you bust your tail on defense, yeah. I tell them bust your tail on D and don't turn the damn thing over and you're going to play on this team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, know? you broke down some great things, you know, said making sure we're blocking out, giving up offensive rebounds, that's something to be a tr some trouble, but you broke down, you clearly break down those positions and, and those points of value with, with your team to make sure uh, they're concentrating on that. That's that's really, really key. It's one thing to know there's a problem. It's another thing to say, well, it's a problem, but we got a solution solution for it. As long as we're practicing that, emphasizing that, that's huge. Um, yeah, do you ever- that's what, that's what I love about, I mean, what I've come to love about this defense, because sometimes, you know, team just got a guy that can find a way to get a mismatch. And it's like, what are we going to do? Now you got to change who you are, you know? Oh, should we go boxing one, triangle and two, trap him when he gets the ball? Like anything, any adjustment we would have to ever make, we can make on the fly, you know, with this defense and um, just with, you know, with a simple call and, can change it. Like I say, there's, there's games where people think, Oh, you're running a diamond now. No, we're just, we just call it the press. <laughs> no, that's 94. You know, Oh, you're running two, one, two. No, that's offset. Oh, you're running two, two, one. No, that's one. You know, it, Oh, you're, are you picking up man in the front? No, that's face. You know, so it's just a lot of different looks. You can once, I mean, the base of it is what it is and everything kind of flows off of that, but like I say, you got a team that wants to pass around in the backcourt. Okay, well, we'll go throw back, take away the reversal, and make you do something else. You know, just, do you ever uh, just pick it up? Say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna pull it back a little bit. Let's say it's closer to to half court, and and if you do, um, does that formation change at all? Um, No, not really the formation. So we'll go three quarters. We call three quarters, which means we're backing it up, you know, picking it up closer to half court there. Um, and sometimes we'll do that because of foul trouble, you know, not wanting our ones as much as we want our ones in someone's stuff for 94 feet. You know, if Cole Miskey's got two fouls in second quarter, see, that's the other thing is, I mean, we'll, I'll play my guys with two fouls. You know, I ain't going to play them they pick up their third in the second quarter, probably not going to play them unless I really feel like we need to, you know, won't say I never have, but, you know, guy isn't coming out of the game in the third quarter when he gets his third foul. Mm -hmm. So, but what we will do sometimes is, is move it back or 
find ways to just try to still be who we are. But so if less, you're a less foul prone, if you're in, if a team gives you a two one two setup, and for some reason that ball does get to the middle and it, it's it's behind your two one liners, what are you what are you telling your one liners to do or where to go? if and when that happens? Well, if we're in one, if we're in a regular look, you know, when that ball goes to one side, so it goes right to the slot, because if it goes from the inbounds to the middle, that two, you know, I got a sub, I need to get one of them twos out because that that backside two should be reading that when it's being inbounded and steal that pass that's coming almost to half court and middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna come in in the second it comes into one side or the other, that backside one is getting, we tell them we want them on a 45. So that backside one is getting all the way to, you know, almost half court, you know? So he's in a, there's times where teams will go to one, two and throw it back and forth and try to hit that middle because it looks open and that backside one will come out of nowhere, you know, and make that steal. So that being said, if it goes middle and we don't make the steal, you know, which you most times you ain't going to get, but if that backside one's busting his tail, like he's supposed to on the catch, that guy in the middle, even at half court is only going to get a couple dribbles before that backside one's there flicking from behind. So, so he should already be there. And, and that's where, you know, like no go talked about many have tried, but not a lot are successful. I mean, you've got to do it every time. You know, we got one of our five non-negotiable, you know, you can call them keys, whatever you want to call them, but our kind of our five non-negotiables in the press, one is hard in and out. Like we got to get out of our traps as hard as we get into them. And so many times you'll watch teams that trap and be all this pressure on the trap, then the ball skips and that guy who's just trapping kind of yeah, you see that a lot. back to yeah. the middle. Definitely. Like we got to fly back to the yeah. middle because if it goes from slot to slot and they try to get it middle, I want to think that there's going to be times where my guy rotating back to that middle is going to make that steal because he's just going so hard. Mm-hmm. And in the full court, if you don't make the steal, he should be close enough to be flicking from behind. Yeah. So that's what I was kind of wondering is if they're trying to ping pong the ball back and forth in the in the backcourt yeah and then you know get get those two one-liners moving and then try to zip it in to to the middle of the court and those guys are chasing if they in and out hard in and out and they're they're chasing and they're just sometimes it's like man they're tiring out well you can't tire out like and that's that's why we say like we can play 11 we'll play 11 because that's a position that can wear down and if we're not as deep like this year at the one line, we'll go chaser. So we'll just stagger them. Mm-hmm. And we'll okay. just let that front guy chase it back and forth. Yeah. Yep. And eventually they got to get across half court, which like I say, really in the base press, you know, we'll, what we're in probably 80% of the time, unless we're making some adjustment, the heat gets turned up after half court anyway. Right. So we're just, it's, you know, we're just trying to wear them. Another thing is kind of wearing, wearing them down, making them think, you know, 
And the closer they get to half court making that pass, next thing you know, they're at half court. That backside, too, can kind of sniff, start to sniff that one out and go and get it, too, um, because now the court shrunk so much. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, Coach, any other kind of key points or tidbits? I mean, we, we could go on and on with all different situations and variations off this. We go all night. Um, but any, anything that's really vital that I didn't ask you? Um, no, I mean, I, I think yeah, we hit a lot of stuff. And, yeah, we could – you know, we're talking about the two, two, one end of it, but like I say, there's, there's variations where it's just a simple call and one guy is just, has to do something different. And all of a sudden it looks different and it, and it functions different. Like, you know, 94, we're taking our backside two liner and we're putting them on the ball and we're trapping first pass. We're going to try to get that quick steal. And if we don't get it, then our backside, then that two just flies back to where, you know, his spot would be wherever the ball is based on how they got out of that trap. And then we're 51 when it crosses and we're trapping one and two, you know, foul line and above two and three foul line and below. We're rotating the same on the backside. So it's not a new defense. It's just a new look and it's, and it's, easy for the kids because it's not five guys having to learn a new defense. It's one guy having to one or two guys having to learn just that little thing they're doing differently, you know, in that call. Cause you're um, changing, like they're in the same, I don't want to say the same setup cause you, but you're giving them a, a couple different responsibilities based on what you call. Right. But, correct. but it's not like you're throwing in a new, a new defense. Right. right. So, you know, if you have a certain call, okay, that two is going to come up and trap, like, like you said, it's not like it's a different press or anything like that. No. Um, I is it still going to be the same on the back end once it yeah. crosses? Yep. Very and good. then on the back end, like I say, we'll do sometimes we'll trap from half court all the you know, all the way to the baseline. Sometimes we'll trap top of the circle of the baseline, and sometimes we'll just trap corners. You know, and sometimes we'll go bounce. We'll just trap off the bounce. Right. Sometimes we'll, you know, one of our, what's become really good for us is when a team has just like a really, really good player, we'll go and then there's stay, which is kind of just a matchup, you know, so we'll just match up out of it too. But sometimes we'll go, you know, 51, stay on you know rubio so we'll be trap we'll we'll still be in 51 we'll be trapping but let's say Rub rubio's on the wing and the point guard's coming across half court well that two liner ain't going to trap off of rubio we're going to stay home on him but if the ball's on the other side of the court we'll trap away from him we just so we'll because sometimes you know good teams good coaches will take their best player and put them away from the pressure and try to skip it to them and get them in to some long closeout situations and things of that nature. So, you know, we got to, got to account for that. And that's just one way we do it is we'll, we won't trap off of them. So that's just, you know, 
again, another seems like it'd be a hope, but it's just one simple change. And, you know, the more you do it, the, the kids, everything else is the same. Our rules, our rotations, what we're trying to do. It's just now you got to remember, hey, you know, that dude's on your side, you ain't trapping, but we will trap him. So in essence, once the ball gets in his hands, Okay. Gonna, we're trying to get it out of his hands mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're never in a miss a bad situation with him catching long close out or catching off of someone who's trapping um only time you know he's either going to be matched up with or he's going to be trapped himself this is but great yeah. stuff Great stuff. I love all the different variations that you guys can put in. Such a versatile uh, defense to implement, um, you know, different levels you can pick up, all the different calls that you guys have. I mean, Coach, you've been doing this for, for a long time. And, you know, five or 10 years from now, I'm sure you're going to have, you know, all these other variations too that you're like, oh, now we're doing, now we're doing this and we're doing this. And um, it's just really cool um, to pick your brain on a few of these, these subjects. So, um, Coach, you're doing some some great stuff. Um, thanks for taking the time. Um, you're you're a busy man, as are many, many, many of our of our coaches who are listening. So thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. I could, uh, like you say, I mean, could talk about this all night. All night. We'll give you guys guys a break. Thank you for for listening to the Coach's Edge. If you get a chance. Uh, make sure you follow Corona Basketball uh, on Twitter. Uh, they got some great stuff going on. If you have found this episode beneficial, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It goes a really long way uh, as we try to help as many coaches as we can through this podcast. So thanks again, and get after it today. Yeah, for sure. And Coach, if you ever have a, a coach who's interested in it, feel free to share my information. I, you know, I love growing the game. I mean, it, it is funny because – I used to think when we first started running this, like, do I want to tell too many people? And then it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun to have other teams. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Coach Buscemi for taking the time to break down the 2-2-1, how it's been so successful for them year in and year out, uh, being able to use it with different programs and still finding success. Uh, the proof is in the pudding as far as how he teaches it, how he breaks it down. He does a great, great job. Um, and obviously, um, Corona Basketball is a great follow on Twitter for anybody that's not following. If you appreciate the Coach's Edge, we'd love for you to continue to follow us. Follow us on Twitter at Coach's Edge One. You can reach out to me personally. If you have any questions, contact at KramerBasketball.com. A rating and a review goes a really long way. We certainly appreciate all the ratings and reviews as we continue to build the Coach's Edge and try to help as many coaches as we can with the free resources that we provide through this podcast. Thanks again for listening and get after today.